This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, where Chris, right now, you might, I don't know if you participate in this, but a lot of people do, dry January. That's where after the holidays, you may be taking a little break from the alcohol. Uh, Zupan's a great source for non-alcoholic drinks. So if you're looking to kind of make that easier to do, zero proof spirits, wines, and beer available at your local Zupan's. Can't beat that. Yeah. And what better to pair those zero proof spirits, wines, beers, non-alcoholic, than with pork tenderloin now on sale, Carlton Farms pork tenderloin now on sale at Zupan's for $7.99 a pound. They've also got specials on wild Mexican shrimp. And I love their cord pineapple. It's right there in a nice little container. Pull it out and it's nice and juicy. So that too. And of course, at the checkout counter, you've got Christina's caramel popcorn, which is some of the most addictive stuff I've ever put in my mouth. And uh, that you have to check out too. It's worth the trip to Zupan's just for this Christina's caramel popcorn. Yeah, you've been, uh, I've seen you talking about this on social media, Chris, and the, the fact that sometimes some of the bags aren't making it home <laughs> from Zupan's to your house. Well, in order to make up for that, I got like seven bags to give to friends. Nah. So um yeah and those are smart but yeah but not all of some of those i gotta go get a couple more because i i i fin- i went through some of those too so there's always something great happening at your local zoo pans three locations to serve you mcadam west burnside and lake oswego and of course chris we always recommend people sign up for the news feed so they can find out all of these great deals and and what's going on uh for themselves where do they sign up they sign up very simply at zoopans.com All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm Court Johnson from Portland Radio, kink.fm. Yeah, Court, I'm going to have to, I'm just making sure that I'm finishing the last of the Christina's Caramel Puffcorn that has become a terribly unhealthy addiction for me insofar as it's got sugar that I shouldn't be having. Sure. It is the tastiest, most addictive thing. I brought some to my son and my girlfriend, and every the the joke is how long it takes to get through the the package because it's pretty great. So I also bought some for a little uh, party that I'm having to give to everybody as a little gift. Um, and when you come out, you'll get some too. This stuff is on. You can't stop. It's impossible. So you and I just talked about getting, I, I needed to grab it to get the exact name uh, for a commercial we're going to do. Now we probably don't have to do the commercial because we've already right. mentioned this. Well, actually, because this, th- this conversation, Chris, will actually happen after that commercial. So it's a little uh, a reminder of how great those, now, so what, what did it get? Caramel puffed corn? It's is that what it is? Caramel puffed corn. And they have it at the yeah. checkout counter. You know, it's like an impulse at Zupan's. And it is gluten-free, and it says totally addicting right on it, and they're right. And, um, yeah, you get it at Zupan's. It's really good. It's a small little package of six ounces, I believe, if my glasses are treating me correctly. And this woman does, like, it looks like she does crafts, and she must have made this for friends, and her friends said, you have to make that. 
yeah. she does crafts and caramel popcorn. And and there's well, Chris, a chocolate variety that I haven't tried yet. Oh, man, I'm, I'm a big fan of chocolate. Well, I, on behalf of everybody else, I'm just going to say, don't feel bad for loving it as much as you do. As the uh, phrase go goes, treat yourself. Um because we all deserve it these days. In, in these uncertain times, know, you should I be gotta, able to treat yourself. i got to watch my A1C level. So this is just, you know, killing it. But at any rate, it's really good. And I know the way I go with things I get addicted to, foods, they're great for a period of time. And then the next thing I know, I'm not craving it anymore. Yeah, there's a little, there's a little bit of burnout. That happens. Yeah. Sure. So I can, I won't mention some of the other things that I I may have harped up on uh, on the podcast in the past, but eh, I'm not as crazy about them all of a sudden. But that's but you know what it it's 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 uh, cyclical. You'll circle back around to it when the when the mood is right. I'm sure. But the beautiful thing about Zupans is that there's so many things there <laughs> to go through this cycle with. So oh sure, with which to go through this cycle. So. Um, Anyway, so that's that, and uh, actually it's a nice segue because today we have Patrick McKee, one of, I think, one of Portland's most talented chefs. Um, many people would know him now from Dame, but also from his Paley's days where he appeared on Iron Chef with Vitaly Paley and Ben Bettinger. He later worked with him also at Laurel Horse Market with uh, Mr. Bettinger, and they, of course, emerged victorious from Iron Chef back in the days when that was the big show, the pantheon of food competition shows. Right. And so, uh, but he served 10 years under the Paley's, and on this episode, he's going to talk quite a bit about those experiences and what Vitaly and Kimberly um, brought into his life, and it, uh, things that have stuck with him and that will always be with him. Um, and, you know, it's possible. We don't have it all scheduled yet, but I think it might be nice to do a little bit of a mini Paley's Tribute Month and have on a lot of the folks that have been through the kitchen to at least check in and on their thoughts of uh, Paley's Place closing. But this is about Patrick, and it's about, I guess he's a dame now, so we should talk about that, and we will. And the reason that I thought it was might be an appropriate segue from Caramel Puffcorn into Tasia Bernie is that she was recently on our podcast. She's the one who mentioned, um, dame, I, I explain it in a minute, uh, dame to me and Patrick. And so not only did we invite Patrick to be on the podcast, but I thought uh, it would be appropriate to have his personal trainer and one of, one of his biggest fans on the podcast in the introduction. So in a second, she's going to join us and talk a little bit about Patrick, too. But I have to say he's always been one of the most gracious people I know. And um, he's gone through some really tough times. Um, he talks about his sobriety and how many days he's been sober or years um, it, with us in this interview and also goes into that in conjunction with the death of his son, Henry, a few years ago, how he dealt with it, how he got through it, and how he's still going through it on a daily basis. And he talks very intimately about what that was like and, and what occurred around that and what 
how he still feels about it. So um, I didn't I didn't plan on getting into that with him. It was Patrick's choice to go into that, and uh, I think very interesting. You know, one of the reasons we have this podcast is not to talk about recipes and food. It's to get to know the characters behind our food that we enjoy so much. And uh, I think this interview accomplishes that. Well, I'm excited for it, Chris, because I, I, I got to say, Patrick, I've only had the the chance to talk with him uh, just a couple of times in connection with the podcast. But, you know, we've become social media friends and the way he has decided to open up his life to the challenges that he's experienced, especially the the passing of his son. I mean, it, it there's no more real human than Patrick and uh, me as a father and you as a father. I don't think any of us could fathom what he's been through, um, but his honesty towards it is, is um, I, I don't want to say admirable because I would wish this on anybody, but the fact that he talks about it and that he's going to talk about it here in the podcast, I think is important because these are, again, conversations that I think we should be having and i think that'll help everybody right and that occurs towards the end of the podcast so um i urge everyone to stick with the well listen to it but it gets to the end of the podcast and on the way we're going to hear about um his recent travels to italy and i was surprised i think i knew this but i forgot that they were his you know his grandmother and his mother are italian and um that certainly has influenced his his cooking and he just took his first trips uh trip to italy for a few weeks uh i believe back in october and he talks about lots of his discoveries and his interest in going back too so um you know that's interesting to listen to and uh it's it was nice to catch up with him i haven't seen him in a couple of years there's a lot of people i haven't seen in a while so now i saw him and now everyone as a result gets to listen to that interview. But first, let's talk to uh, Tasia with some of her thoughts of Patrick and his delicious food and how it affects her. So we have something a little unusual this morning in our intro. We've actually never done this. Love breaking ground here on the podcast. But we invited Tasia Bernie here with us. We had her on the podcast how long ago? How long Last ago? Last month? It's a few weeks Last ago. Month. Maybe two months ago? I don't know. Time flies. I can never tell. But we, since the idea for having Patrick McKee on the podcast came from a little text conversation that we were having when um, we, actually I was talking about going to a few restaurants this weekend, one of which was Ox. And you said, uh, you said, well, that's my second favorite restaurant. So it is virtually impossible not to follow that up with the question, well, what's your favorite? And so when you said Dame, um, uh, it just triggered me to think, geez, we need to have Patrick on the podcast. So that happened. And then in the podcast, he talked about you as his uh, trainer, whipping him into shape. That's right. We've been doing that for a couple months now as well. So just he got back from months. Italy. Uh, since he got back from Italy, and so I think it was, we started either late October or beginning of November, training Good. twice so, a week. So how much of that pasta is gone from his, uh, from his body? All of it. <laughs> that did not take long. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah he's a delight to train. So. He looks like he's in pretty good shape, too. He is. So you had sent me a uh, a little essay that you did about uh, 
And actually, I don't know in the essay if you even mentioned which restaurant. No, I didn't. Uh, yes, you had asked me if I would send you some writing after I was on the podcast because I had made reference to uh, the food writing that I was doing um, and the book that I've been putting together uh, about the importance of feeding each other. And this was actually an essay from outside of the book. It was something I wrote later because I can't help but continue to write about this stuff. Uh, and that was the story of um, how he, um, well, actually, he had put, we had talked about uh, putting the vongole dish on the menu, right? The clam dish. Um, and because it was something that I had grown up with, something that he had grown up with, um, and was just you know, really food that was close to both of our hearts. And so at some point I asked him, hey, when are you going to put this on the menu? And he did. Uh, and then, of course, sent me a picture of it. And um, I had plans to uh, go to Kaylee's that night. Um, and so I snuck over to Dame before going to Kaylee's just to eat that pasta dish and then went to Kaylee's and had an entire meal. Ridiculous. Total stunt. Uh, but it was so delicious. You're a true Portland food lover. I'm not going to use the term foodie, but so anybody who can do, uh, you know, multiple meals in one night. Is I don't want to do multiple meals in one night. I just really wanted to eat that dish. It just looked so good, you know. Right, but just so. the fact that you do it and it doesn't really, you just do it without because right. of your love of things. So yes. I don't know if you want to read some of that, all of that, or just talk about it. Either way, you've already started talking about it. So, and, you know, clam sauce, clams on pasta goes, it's one of the things my father made really well. And, yeah. um, and you know, anybody who listens to this podcast know that I am a clam pizza lover coming from yes. New Haven, Connecticut. So, right. That's um, one of the reasons I sent you that essay in particular. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. So, so let's, uh, so whatever you want to do with that, if you plan on doing anything with it, I just wanted to have you on this intro because I thought it'd be fun to have you introduce the guy you're actually seeing sweat every day or, or a couple of times a week and uh, who made a delicious meal for you that that was uh, that stuck with you enough to write a beautiful essay? I think that a number of his meals, or a number of the dishes that come from Dame, and it's not just him; he's got a wonderful team, right? Um, have stuck with me, and it was actually uh, relatively. It was early on last year in 2021, um, right after I got vaccinated. Uh, I had been cooking at home throughout the entire pandemic in part because things were shut down. And of course this was before vaccines, right? Everyone was staying home. And after I got vaccinated, the first meal that I ordered for myself, and of course it was still takeout, uh, was from Dame. And it was, well, it wasn't Bucatini back then, but it was uh, what is now the Squid Ink Bucatini with prawns. And I remember having it arrive and opening up that to-go container and just the colors were so vibrant, you know, this rich black pasta and, you know, the bright green of these tiny basil leaves and the shrimp and the, you know, the sauce, which is this brilliant shade of red. It just, it had an impact on me. And it was strange to 
I never, I, I, I struggle with referring to food as art, right? Because you eat. But um, it was really beautiful and it was incredibly delicious. And it just, it felt so genuine, you know? And I had a number of other, and I ended up using that picture when I announced Feeder on the internet. Um, and I checked in with Patrick to see if it was okay. And that's kind of where uh, the friendship came from. Uh, originally. And I mean, after that, I just started eating there regularly because his handmade pasta is just incredible. I mean, all of the dishes there are great, but I was never a huge pasta person before this. Um, but I just really think it's the best. So uh, it's become kind of irresistible to me. Uh, yeah, interesting to find out that his first trip to Italy was recently. He, mm -hmm. he was you know, he was going on what he learned from his uh, his mom and his grandmother um, yeah. for years. And, you know, I'm sure a little bit of what he learned in the kitchen at Paley's Place, just a, a tad. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think people will really enjoy this. Did you want to read any of what you, what you wrote or should we just put it on the show notes? I've been looking for a place to put this. I'm not daily. It has not been a daily project since you sent it. But Don't worry about it. Like every few weeks, I, go, I think, oh, I told Tasha I'd figure out some way to post that. And I really, I don't really, my blog on Portland Food Adventures is not that active at all. I haven't done anything with it in years. You so don't have to put it up. Good. That's fine. It's no, just you know, you're no, here's you my way of falling into what to do with it. So for now, we'll find something. Sure. I mean, I can read part of it if you want. I mean, I'm happy to. Read right. a little bit and then let's get into the podcast so we don't, uh, so we keep people's attention. Sure. <laughs> 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 Tagliatelle alla vangole. The saffron pasta in a golden tangle at the front edge of the bowl and a dozen clams in their shells arranged behind. Fennel sausage and flecks of parsley scattered delicately over the top. At the center of the dish, two thin slices of garlic fan together like the wings of a tiny white butterfly. A slice of grilled bread, rich with butter, was balanced on the edge of the dish. I took another bite and typed notes on the dish into a document on my phone. The toothsome pasta, the sharp salty broth, the earthy clams. I set down my fork to write. Are you eating or texting? The chef yelled from the kitchen. I'm writing, I yelled back, realizing I was shouting in his restaurant. I lowered my voice. I'm allowed to take notes. As my mom would say, eat, he called back, pursing his fingers, pursing the fingers of one hand into the air, so typically Italian. I laughed. I'm eating. You're going to be late. Anyway, yes. And, and so, late for his, the place where he used to work a lot, too. Late, so late, exactly. Late to go eat my actual dinner. Right. Yes. So, Good. yes. And so that's, you know, I mean, that was that dish. I'm very excited this week to go eat. Um, they got, uh, I think, truffled triangoli. Um, the menu is a filled pasta uh, with a bunch of black black truffles and ricotta and yes, butternut squash. Very sauce. nice. So, and I, think it, I think it's great that the, that the takeout meal that you uh, described earlier was hit you so nicely, and it was in a box because you know it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Box to make food is hard. Yeah, and it was it was lovely. So, and it was a good box too. I mean, I'm particular about my takeout containers. <laughs> As Patrick so. points out in the podcast, um, you know, pasta is one of the things 
that you could probably get away with in a box over a lot of other dishes. So mm, that's true. Yeah. Well, good. So thank you for uh, coming to join us this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure. And it's and it's good to see you. You know, I it's live in this kind of void out here, so it's always good to see a smiling face first thing in the morning, or a, any face. You don't have to be smiling. <laughs> I, I ask you to smile. I'm not making any comments like that, but uh, but at any rate, no, of course not. It's a, I'm it's happy to be here. Thank you very much. To see you, and let's let's uh, let's break bread at some point, perhaps at Dame. Shortly. I'm always, I'm always up for that. So or an ox. <laughs> All right, let's go right anyway. into let's go right into our interview with Patrick McKee of Dame. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupans Markets. And by Portland Food Adventures. Join our host, Chris Angelis, and his colleague, Austri Enzyme, next September for a wildly delicious adventure through Western Sicily. Palermo, Marsala, and lots in between. Book now to make sure you don't miss the best of Sicily. Since 2015, PFA has been taking Portlanders on incredible journeys with Portland chefs and artisans to Europe and beyond. Check out the Trips tab at PortlandFoodAdventures.com for Sicily, Spain, and more. Or contact Chris through the website right now while you're listening to the podcast. You look good, bud. Yeah, you look good too. You get the blazer. How are the blazers this year? I haven't even paid any attention. Oh, you know, it's a uh, a love, a love, 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 hate relationship. I think they're they're not doing so great this year. But you know, we uh, yeah, I'm, just a, I'm a big a fan. Yeah, it's. I followed uh, a little of the Damien uh, Lillard drama, but no, you know, having grown up in New York, I have my love, love, hate, hate, love, love, hate, right. hate sports things going on too. But I'm. I mean, just left with the Mets. That's all I care about now. Hey, the uh, the Knicks were horrible for a long time, and they're looking better. So. Yeah, but so when yeah. I was 11 years old, 1969, the Mets won the World Series, and I was there. Right. And the Jets went to won the Super Bowl, and I was there for the AFL championship game that sent them to the Super Bowl. The Knicks won. So I used to sit in front of my black and white little nine-inch Sony and broadcast the games. That's what I wanted to do when right. I was a kid. So, I mean, it was pretty cool, but I'm not there anymore. I haven't followed the Knicks in years. The Jets, forget it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough anyway. one. But no, so, no, you guys have turned into my sports stars. You know, it was years ago that I sort of made the analogy that in Portland, we only had the Blazers. So our sports stars were you guys in the kitchen. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a little bit different, but, uh, you know. We, well, uh, yeah, but, but you know, um, Damian Lillard isn't going to hand you a basketball and say, here, shoot this, whereas you guys would hand Nor, nor should he. <laughs> well, that's true too. But but you know, I learned very early on that chefs are personable, and you can eat their food. 
and get that's to true. know them. And I think that's what made Portland unique. That's a good place to start. Is the Portland that was unique and we knew ever going to return? Or are we just going to have to get used to something new? Well, you know, I like to remain optimistic about everything. And, and growing up in the, the food scene here, I still have lots of hope and I see lots of good people doing good things. And, you know, I do think that, uh, you know, it's, it's time for the next generation to step in and, and take over. And it's, it's been a big privilege for me and, and honor to have worked with somebody like Vitaly for as long as I did. And to meet all the amazing people that came out of that organization, uh, you know, and to see what's gone on with, with them and then to see what's going to happen after we're gone. I mean, you know, I'm 51 now and there's plenty of, plenty of kids coming in younger than us that are, that are, uh, you know, I'm pretty, pretty psyched, you know, and, and, uh, love what's to, the, uh, what, what do you look at 51? You don't look 51. We'll start there. You I look great. That, You've always you. been very youthful. Thank you. Um, That's my mother's Italian genes, but I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, well, it's but it's not an old person's game, and I don't mean to say anybody's old, but, you know, there comes a point where you can't stay on your feet all day long, and right. you've been doing what you've been doing for a long time. And, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm still good. Uh, you know, I uh, work on taking care of my, my, my body and my mind, and uh, I just got back from working out, and, uh, you know, I go to the gym twice a week, and uh, I have a trainer that's whipping me into, into shape. And, uh, uh, you know, um, I, uh, you know, I think we can talk about my sobriety and I, uh, have been sober for, I think it's, I haven't looked at a while. I think it's, it's like 15, 1658 days. So it's about four and a half years. Nice. And Congratulations. That's great. Thank you. And one of the, one of the best decisions I think that, that helped me. And I think the, the other thing is with, uh, you know, the philosophy, obviously, in the, the restaurants and in the kitchens needed a, a big change. And that comes with uh, how we treat ourselves and how we treat each other, how we treat our employees. And uh, that makes it so that I, you know, look forward to going into work and I look forward to working with the great, all the great people that we have. and teamwork, you know, and, uh, the, I think the, you know, my philosophy really got started in, in, in a good foundation with somebody like Vitaly, who, uh, was a teacher, you know, he's the best teacher I, I think I could have found out there and continuing the trend of being good. And, you know, that, that kitchen was, was a great place to, uh, to learn. And, you know, and moving forward now, you know, I'm the, I'm the teacher and, yeah, you know, you kind of set the, the tone every day with, with how you are and, you know, the, with the, especially these days with the challenges we face every day and, uh, short crew and, and a, a busy little restaurant and, you know, there's a, there's a lot to do and, uh, how we organize and, you know, we've got a, a great group of people there, but I feel like, you know, for the leaders in the industry for the you know the chefs there's a a saying that i heard about a year ago that i really like that's uh you know you sit under the shade of the tree you grow 
and I really feel very uh, apropos to the uh, the philosophy and and if we create a safe environment and uh, a, you know a happy environment, uh, a good place for people to be, that that will uh, come back to us. You know what I mean? It's, Do you? So you've actually in, in what you just said for a little while said we could have got we could go four different directions with that. Sure. So I want to take I want to discuss all of what you've touched on there. But I think as long as we're there, it seems to me that pre-pandemic, there was um, a healthy movement by chefs like you and Gabriel Rucker and Gregory Gorday to not only get a hold of yourselves, but also make the kitchen a better environment too. So that, that I believe occurred, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I saw that all, it seemed to me about four to five years ago. And then, of course, we had the storm of, you know, what happened during the pandemic in Portland and crazy unvetted lists of shit that went on in kitchens for years. Um, so do you think that we're finally at a point where it's a, we're at a pretty healthy point and, and people can feel pretty comfortable working in kitchens now? Well, I feel like there's never a point where, considering how bad things are, I don't know if there's a point where you you can say, "Hey, it's you know, I'm I'm comfortable," because I think you have to keep pushing to maintain that. There's more and more of us that need to reach that point, and you know, I feel like it's it's not a it's not a destination; it's a journey, you know, and you have to to uh, get in there and do it every day. And I think for me. The biggest thing I've seen in bringing the new crew into Dame over this last summer is the uh, that that you know portion of the pandemic winded down was the trauma that some of these cooks come into the kitchen bringing from previous employers and trying to unwind what's been previously done and let them know that it's okay and you know there's a lot of that kind of male toxic thing of, I don't need help, you know, where uh -huh. I talk a lot about, uh, you know, that you, you come in some days and, you know, you're not Superman and you're not supposed to be a hundred percent every day. And it's okay if you have, you know, days where you're not feeling a hundred percent, either physically or, or mentally. And, you know, we, we were ingrained, I think for, for quite a while where that, you know, that wasn't acceptable. You have to leave your shit at the door and, you know, it's, uh, you know, shortly after we started Dame uh, as a pop-up before, uh, you know, I think we were, we'd been in for barely a month and, you know, uh, my son passed away. And that was something that I, I can't leave at the door every day. And while I wanted to continue doing the pop-up and what we were doing at, at Dame, uh, you know, I, I knew my son was very excited to see me do something on my own of this caliber. Uh, that's something that was so personal to me that I realized I I wasn't going to be 100% every day. And, you know, I, I live every day with the, you know, the grief of not having my son here. You know, and that, that grief doesn't really change. What What changes is your life grows around it. And I can't expect somebody else to come in 100% 
if I'm not going to be 100%. And what I realized was that happened was there was a support system that's, that was built, you know, and the biggest person inside the restaurant that made that happen was Jane. And I had a safe place to go to and I felt comfortable continuing to cook and continuing to, uh, you know, honor my family and the cooking the food that, that I grew up eating. And, you know, combined with the incredible support I have from Cynthia at home, you know, it, it just, it, it really, really reaffirmed the philosophy that I had going into Dan, which was changing some of that culture. Well, I'm sure also it was, um, it was, uh, how do I put this? Well, it was good that you, the, one of the silver linings is that you had something new and wonderful to focus upon when that happened. And um, so, so you were, you know, you had something, if you didn't have that, if you hadn't, if you weren't at Dame and you had been between jobs or gigs or whatever you were doing at the time when your son passed away, that could have been even more devastating than it was. But you had something to latch on to every day. Now, what I'm curious about is when you're talking about not being 100%, there's a difference between you're not being um, uh, perhaps feeling like a leader in a particular day that you just want to get through it. And then there's, then there's abuse that, that people have given yeah. out in kitchens for years. So there's a big difference between the two. I haven't been in a kitchen in so many years. So right. um, it's hard for me to say, but I, I you know, back in the seventies when I was in a kitchen, yeah, I was abused pretty heavily. And that's what, you know, I, I, was, uh, I mean, I, that was happening in the, <laughs> in the early 2000s too, you know? Well, I know, but I'm just saying my only experience was that. And then, but now I would imagine we're at a time where at least in Portland, after what happened, you know, lots of things that happened, I don't think many people could get away with abusive behavior now for no. very long. I mean, it would well, be they, two they days and then you'd be outed and that would be it. Well, I, you know, and you shouldn't, you know, and the, the thing of it is when this, this, idea for me started when I was at Perlow and I was in a different environment. I wasn't at Paley's anymore. And, and for me personally, that's where it started. And then I wanted to continue this kind of kitchen philosophy when we got today and working on, uh, as you may remember from your days in a kitchen, there's that delineation between the front of the house and the back of the house. And at Paley's, there wasn't a delineation like that. And, you know, I mean, to a point there always is, but, you know, when I went to Dame, I really wanted to make a point that it's not, and nor should there be. We're all in this together. And what I want to work on is, uh, you know, again, there's growing that tree of, uh, of teamwork. And I, I think that you can't, you can't achieve any kind of whatever goodness or greatness that you want to be if you don't have a team to work with you. Yeah, you, know, you can't do it alone. And Isn't it easier though to, to create um, <clears throat> the environment and the, the team, uh, I don't want to call it spirit, but for lack of a better word. I mean, why not? 
camaraderie. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. But it's, yes, okay, team spirit with the back of the house because you're with them for more of the day. The front of the house comes in a little bit later, and then you're pretty busy. As When they come in, you get busier and busier. So is it a little more well, difficult to create true. that? Well, no, but you have to make the time to, to uh, I think, as a leader, as the chef, to go talk to the uh, front of the house folks when they come in. And uh, obviously doing small things like making them aware of small menu tweaks or menu changes. Or uh, for me, a big part of it is, hey, how are you today? You know, mm -hmm. Welcome. You know, here, here we are, you know, and it's, it's, uh, well, it's also getting the rest of the, your back of the house team together with the front of the house, not just you. I mean, they have, yeah. they all have to interact. Right. Awesome. Well, and it, it's, you know, it's a, uh, we've done a, a few different, uh, front and back of the house kind of gatherings where we've, you know, uh, gone out to eat, you know, go out to, to brunch or go out to lunch or go out to, uh, you know, to a, a dinner together where we kind of get, get out of the, out of the setting. And, uh, you know, we took a big trip to Italy, uh, back at the end of October, we took a bunch of our folks from front and back of the house. It was great to see them all, uh, get together where, with each other. You know we were all over the place. We started in Rome. Uh, and then we were in the Tuscan countryside for a night, which we should definitely touch on. Cause I think I had the best, my best meal of the trip uh, out there at a real small uh, trattoria. But we were in Florence and then uh, Bologna, and then we went all the way up north into Freely, uh, past Venice, and then uh, came back down to Rome and flew out. That's uh, a lot. Of, there, was a, there was two, we were there for two weeks. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a lot of ground in two weeks. Could, yeah. Could, you, could, so. you could have stayed put in any one of those for a week or two anyway. Uh, just, I mean, just, you know, uh, as, my mother had told me about going to Rome. Uh, that's where uh, uh, part of our family is from. Uh, was you know you you walk around Rome and you're like, oh hey, like there's the Pantheon. You know, it's like there's there's you just walking like block to block. There's so much history and so much cool stuff to see. You know, but uh, it was uh, really good to to get out there and to uh, see the food that inspired my mother, the food that in turn inspired me, and that. Uh, you know, and in, inspires the, the crew and to see them yeah, share it with your crew. That's, that's you know, important to get that but, in their bloodstream and to see them share their experiences with each other. They went out and had a, had a great time. You know, I definitely, uh, you know, was like the dad of the show, <laughs> like getting everybody together. We had some, some really nice dinners together and then, uh, they were all going off to get in some trouble. And I head back to the Airbnb to, you know, catch up with my wife and, catch some Netflix before I pass out, you know, so a lot of, you know, you do trips like that and there's a lot of walking going on. I think our, our biggest day was somewhere around, uh, 11 miles, you know, just in, in walking time and, you know, seeing everything. And when you're, you know, it's like you're trying to soak up as much of the stuff as possible. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how that equates, but I think my, the most I've ever done, which is far beyond what I do here at the beach was about 33,000 steps one day in Barcelona. So I think yeah. that equates to yeah. a even a little, maybe even a little more than you, a lot. You might have had me. Yeah, I think my biggest day was about 31,000. But yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's good. That'll keep you in shape. I'm just curious. You said you went through Bologna. That so far, I love so much about Italy. But Bologna, to me, is kind of, I, I, 
I felt most at home in Bologna. Oh, man, I, 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 I agree with that a lot. Uh, you know, for, for, uh, I think it's, it, my trip or not my trip, but my, uh, my plans leading up to the trip and uh, I spent a lot of time talking with my mother uh, about the Italian side of our family and really growing up, all I really heard was a lot about how the family came from Rome. Uh, the family goes back quite a long way. Uh, my mother's maiden name is pronounced Estes, but it is a American. Doesn't sound like an Italian name to me. Well, it was changed when her grandfather moved to the United States. So it was pronounced D-S-T-E with a D apostrophe E-S-T-E. Well, there you go. And they uh, came through Ellis Island and felt that it was not uh, pronounceable. So uh, it was for a lot of Italian Americans, uh, their names were changed. So, uh, but uh, there's a Villa D'Este Este that's outside of Rome that our family built. Uh, you know, and the family goes back to, uh, you know, 15, 1600s. Uh, but getting back to my story, she had, and my grandfather had really focused on Rome and what the food was like, people were like in Rome and then come to find out, uh, she had said, well, you're going to Florence. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, you know, our, the people really, uh, spent a lot of time in Florence, uh, Tuscany, and then in Emilia Romana outside of, uh, Bologna and Ferrara. And I was like, you know, head explosion, like you never told me this, <laughs> you know, I'm 51 and, and like, I'm hearing this for the first time. So, uh, you know, but, it, but, uh, after being in Florence and Rome, uh, man, I just, I really loved Bologna a lot. I could, uh, I, we came back and I told Cynthia that I wanted to try to find a, uh, a flat we could buy there. I would, cause I would love to spend part of the year there. It was just really great. It's great. Well, I have an idea. We can discuss it later. Uh, <laughs> I think I know where you're you going back. with this. Yeah. Yeah. But so, no, it's a, I've, I've had the privilege in the last few years of being there a couple of times. Sure. And, and Tuscany and outside in Emilia-Romagna. And we have plans to go back. So, um, yeah, you're fortunate that you learned this at the age of 50 because there's a lot I didn't hear from my mom and then she passed away. So you can't go get that information. Right. So just feel feel fortunate. Look on the bright side. You got it, and you oh, got yeah. some years to use it in front of you. So, um, so that did you happen to have? Uh, did you happen to have some pasta in Bologna? Like maybe <laughs> some lasagna. Uh, definitely. Uh, our first stop after we uh, we drove in and uh, we were uh, you're familiar with the area, but we were right by the music school and. Parked the car in a garage, got into the Airbnb, and then immediately walked and had uh, lasagna and tortellini and bretto at a little place that's uh, just right outside of the uh, where the university is, and mm -hmm. you know, completely, uh, you know, fell in love with it right away, and and uh, moved from there. We had dinner that that night at a uh, a place that you know, there were black truffles everywhere, and uh, we had a uh, a dish that was a uh, a goat milk ricotta tortelloni with just a ton of truffles and a ton of butter and sage and it was like man so good well i'm sure you i'm, I'm sure ready for lunch <laughs> yeah well i'm sure also some portlanders have benefited from that experience i would imagine since yes. since you've been back um 
I, I don't usually ask questions that I, you know, I assume that it's probably going to be a no answer to, but did you happen to find your way to Sally Mary Simone? Right, right off the Piazza Maggiore, a few blocks. Yes, um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so we had a we had a uh, a veal and tuna sauce, uh, vitello right. tonnato. Tonnato, yeah, yeah, just on the one of the most memorable things I've ever eaten in my life. And so those are the kind of places. And I got a few in Florence too. Right. That I I I, I went by myself, and then I grabbed people the next day and said, "Here, come back here. You got to right. try this." So. Anyway, I, I'll we'll stop. Uh, uh, but that's okay. What it means is that you, what you're doing is coming from the heart, and it's getting better and better because you're learning more. And I have to say, uh, one of the things that triggered me to contact you was our friend uh, Tasia Bernie, who we will feature on the introduction to this. But she sent me this blog post. Um, Oh, interesting. That she, that she had uh, written about your vongole. So, um, okay. And, you know, I'm a big linguine and clam sauce. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a yeah. fun pasta. Yeah. She's so, my she's my trainer, so it's good that she's waxing poetic about the food because she. Oh, just, I did, I you know she, I didn't I didn't put two and two together on that. But. Well, she just ripped me to shreds in the gym. So. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so that's why she's there. But I asked yeah. her the other day what her favorite restaurant. I hate being asked that question, but she she, uh, she mentioned something about her second favorite. Oh, we were talking about Ox, and she said right. that's my second favorite restaurant. Oh. So of course, the natural follow. You have to say, well, what, what's what's, what's your first? favorite? Oh, she's very so she, kind. Yeah, yeah, she got to Dame on that. So anyway, and I haven't been in. I haven't been in. I think since you were asked this, and um, I'm right. pleading right. the I'm pleading the uh, the ninth on everything, whatever that may be. Because I'm, you know, the pandemic and man's, living in Manzanita, it's just not easy sure. to get in. But I've been telling my girlfriend about your place because we're always talking about it. Seeking out good Italian. And uh, or we're talking about seeking out good Italian and we barely do it because there aren't a lot of people doing what you do in Portland. So No, um, I mean, and, you know, this is, this is our version of it. This isn't, uh, you know, they, the... the red sauce, you know, kind of East Coast Italian, uh, you know, this is definitely our take on it. Uh, you know, we always like to feature a lot of uh, the Roman style pastas that are on the menu. My grandfather's favorite, Cacio Pepe, has been on and stays on. And, you know, through the the summer, we, uh, when tomatoes were great, we had Amatriciana and it's just, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of fun kind of tweaking it and making our own, uh, interpretation of it but kind of staying true to true to form and getting to rome and having the roman pastas there and kind of comparing what we were doing the the cooks were uh excited to see that we are you know uh we were kind of on par the you know the, the pasta style's a little bit different because a lot of dried pasta is used in rome instead of fresh pasta which we do but the uh you know cacio pepes and the amatricianas and carbonaras we tasted were Real close to what we're doing, and uh, you know that that gave me a lot of a lot of pride that they took pride in. Like, hey, this is you know we're we're doing okay. And yeah, there aren't many. Uh, you don't go to a lot of Italian places where they're just call, dialing it in uh, or calling it in. They're they they have their hearts in everything they do. So uh, you know, I guess I can't speak across the board. But well, and, uh, and uh, I think for you know a couple of the the dishes that we have now. Uh, 
the inspiration came directly out of uh, eating in Bologna, specifically. Mm-hmm. The what they refer to as the the ravioli there is basically a real simple shape that's uh, you know cut into a square and then cut it o- cut over and or folded over in half. Pardon me. That looks more like a triangle, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some places call it a ravioli there. Some places call it a triangoli, which is what we call it, uh, you know. But we saw. Uh, all different kinds of fillings. And, you know, I kind of took inspiration from a few that we had and came back and we talked with uh, the crew about what our favorite things were. And then these dishes kind of morph out of our favorites. And, you know, there's that. And the other one is the, uh, we have a raviolo that's got a uh, soft egg yolk or a chicken egg yolk inside. And you cut it open and the, the, there's a runny yolk yeah, we saw a lot of those in Bologna, but I mean, I, I'm no stranger to that. We, we did that at Paley's Place, and that was where I was introduced to that. And, uh, you know, the thing for us coming back also is that we found a, from a longtime uh, regular at Dame, he and his wife bought a farm out in Hillsborough, and they're raising a bunch of chickens. So we got a bunch of farm fresh chicken eggs, which really made a game changer for us for eggs for the pasta. So those eggs are in the, in the pasta dough itself, but also the egg yolk is in the raviola. All right. Well, I'm starved now listening to you. And and also aside (laughs) from lunch, I'm stuck in Manzanita. There's nowhere I can go get anything like that. So I'm going to have to get in my car and do the four hour round trip to go have that. You let me know when when you're ready. I think the last time I saw you was, Right. I think it was, we were still pretty new. I think it was maybe right after uh, my son had passed. You were in with uh, Nick Zukin. It just happened to run into him. I didn't come in with him. So that was interesting. I actually can almost pinpoint the day because I recall we were going, I was going to Australia. Like the day or two later. That's right. And that was one of the great trips. That was, so that was 2019. Right. And it was in early April. So, um, yeah. But, uh, wow, since I saw, and I know I've run into you since then or somehow talked to you, but that so. Australian yeah. trip was incredible. In 2019, look at what we took for granted. I oh, went I everywhere in 2019, including Bologna and uh, Emilia Romagna and uh, all over the place. Um, so, yeah, that was a, and that was a great night. I really appreciate it. But, you know, I've run into you at a number of places. Um, at South Fork, when you were there, right. we did a we did a wonderful event, and of course, on my website, on Portland Food Adventures website, I don't know if you're aware of it, but I, I need to change it. I don't need to change it. No, I like it. There's you and uh, Vitali in the kitchen at Standard TV and Appliance. I remember that very well. I was yeah. I was a, so we did a, we did a couple of those with you. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. I I think I just look back and. Getting Vitali into Beaverton at Standard TV and Appliance was a hell of a coup. <laughs> so yeah, that was fun. I remember that very well. Yeah. Well, listen, we're we're talking about that again with the folks at Standard. So if you have any interest in doing something like that, let me know. Um, we'll talk offline about that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have I we have a few things to talk about offline. Hey, Chris, pausing a moment here to talk about one of our favorite places in Portland to eat. 
Ringside Steakhouse. Portland Steakhouse. For over 75 years, the Peterson family has been, I think they're in the third generation now. Um, and uh, it is one of the consummate places to go eat. And right now, in the midst of just another little bit of a scare, I call it a little bit because we hope it's over soon. But if you're looking for safe opportunities to dine, uh, Ringside has one of the nicest outdoor warmed dining spaces or under a tent uh, that you can find. They've really done a nice job. Um, it's not on Macadam. They actually put a, a floor down as well. Um, and you get that great ringside service and fantastic ringside food outside um, in uh, a really nice dining space. Of course, they're still open inside in the restaurant and the bar, and, and they also have takeout as well, uh, which is offered Wednesday through Sunday until 9 p.m. They have to go. You can call and place your order beginning one hour uh, prior to the start of business, which would be generally either 4 or 5 o'clock. And Chris, let's not forget about talking about the three-course prime rib Wednesday, where for 48 bucks you get uh, their great prime rib along with uh, mixed greens and then something for dessert, which is the creme brulee, which is one of my favorites. So that's on Wednesdays, the three-course prime rib. Very nice. Portland's best steakhouse, and they've been there forever. Uh, in terms of restaurant life, even more than forever. Uh, Ringside Steakhouse, you can find them at ringsidesteakhouse.com and you can find them at 2165 West Burnside in Portland as well with valet parking. Yep, you can set up your reservations there or use that open table app. I want to touch, as long as we were just talking about Vitaly, um, I wanted to, you know, we just had uh, last week's episode was Vitaly and Kimberly, uh, about six weeks after their, I'm, I'm not going to call it a retirement, I, I keep starting to go there, and then I say closing of Paley's Place, because we know they're not going to just sit still. Um, but so I just wanted to get some of your thoughts. I think of all, you know, there, there are a lot of chefs who've been, you know, at Paley's Place and spent, but you spent a lot of time there, and you're a son. I would have to think to <laughs> Vitaly and Kimberly. Um, uh, a few sons they may have had, they may consider you definitely are one of them. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on what you, what, how did you feel when you heard they were closing Paley's place? Uh, you know, I am on their, uh, their uh, uh, newsletter. So I got an email that they had decided and I was, pulling into my driveway and it kind of popped up on my phone and I, I saw the first line and I knew what was happening. So I stopped the car and I called Vita and just to check in, you know, and I feel like I owe him a lot and, you know, he, uh, I owed him a, a phone call to express my regret and ex express my support for him. And I understand they've been at it a long time. They've accomplished a lot and to, you know, honor the legacy that they are leaving behind. It's pretty incredible. There's a lot of incredible people that work there uh, and really great people that I met through there that uh, I'm still in contact with, old employees uh, and friends, you know, Ben and uh, Gabe Rucker, just to name so, a couple. 
just to get specific, because you're talking mm-hmm. about Ben Bettinger, because Correct. not everybody knows what you mean by when you say Ben. Sure. Ben Bettinger, uh, Gabriel Rucker, um, two solid dudes. But, you know, when I started in October of 2004, Ben was stepping into a new role as a sous chef there, and Gabe Rucker and I were line cooks, right? So, you know, that was a really great experience to be able to walk into and then I spent a decade there and spent a lot of time uh, working with Vitaly. We did a lot of really cool stuff. Um, remembering things that the, the, the effort we put forward when we competed on Iron Chef America and we all know the outcome of that. And, but just the, you know, the, the process that we went through for that and, running drills and training to, uh, we took it very seriously and went to how New York. Long, and, how, what, when you say you took it very seriously, how long was the process? I know, I think I've talked to Vitaly about it, but I have a short memory. How long was the process of, of building towards that Iron Chef victory, which was a amazing. big thing because back then they didn't have a zillion food competition shows. That was, that was it. Well, there was that in Chopped, I think. And, but, but well, that's the granddaddy. You know, yeah, a lot the, of people the, were on Chopped, but sure, to the win, big, to beat the Iron Chef is pretty crazy. Yes, yeah, sir. The the that was the big stage. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, speaking of your mind being a little fuzzy with with time, uh, we definitely practiced for the probably the four or five months leading up to it, four months leading up to it, uh, where we when we knew we were going to go and. And you didn't know you were going to have battle radish either. You no. didn't know. You, I think, if I recall, you knew it could be one of three or four one ingredients. Of, one Is of, that yeah, true? one of a one of a few. So you kind of have to approach it with uh, a, a different mindset than what we're taught. And working in a kitchen, what you're taught is is some balance and some restraint and when you go into this kind of a competition featuring something, you have to make sure that that one thing stands out more than anything else, which is not what we do on a normal day to day. You want things to, to have balance and to uh, not to have one thing that's just the complete star, but in order to kind of fit through this, uh, you know, the, the mold of what it took, that's, you know, we had to change our mindset. That was you know, Vitaly's teaching for Ben and I, and then once we got a hold of it, it we were able to run with it, and, and you know, the rest is history, really. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't recall, I don't think I've seen you or Benny on another food competition show. It's possible you have. I just, I don't know. I don't have a full encyclopedia. But I would imagine once you won Iron Chef, you're like, you would be thinking, I don't need to go on another one. I, I I, I did what I needed to accomplish. I, I uh, to be fair, we Ben and I both were on knife fight together. We competed against each other. Oh, well, that's cool. Well, that, See, that's a reason to go on, I think. And Ben won Chopped. I was on Chopped right after my son passed. Uh, we filmed it. Over thing. I think it was just weeks oh, after. Okay, and I and probably saw that. Um, we were. Yeah, I made it to the end and got Chopped. But, yeah, know. shit. Well, I know some real, I won't name them, but I know some excellent Portland chefs that didn't get past the first round. So don't feel, 
you know, so. Uh, you know, I think considering the circumstances, I went out there and, and, and did well. Oh, you yeah. did your best, man. So, so um, I think I think Jose won, if I recall. I don't remember who all the winners were, but I think. A bunch of us have been on. I don't, I don't know either. So yeah, yeah. Uh, someone should keep it. Someone needs to have a, a record of all of that somewhere. Um, anyway, so f- uh, are you? Do you think? What do you think, Vitaly and Kimberly are going to do other than relax and travel? We all know that. But in terms of what they're not going to sit still. These are people who you know went go went at a very fast pace for a long time. They can't just turn it off. I'm I'm interested to see what where they're going to end up. That's a good question. I just, uh, Tasha asked me while she was kicking my butt in the gym if I thought they were going to do something. And I said the same thing. They, they both have the fire and the competitive spirit and they're great at what they do, but it would be, uh, I don't know. It would be, I don't, it would I don't be unusual. I, I said, I thought maybe he had something up his sleeve, but. I don't know if he has anything up his sleeve, but I think a couple of things. I don't necessarily know that it would be a restaurant that they own and operate or cook in, or, sure. but it's going to be something. And then, you know, everybody in your industry, you have it in your blood. You do it. I mean, I think of John Gorham, who told me he was never going to sign another paycheck again. Uh, in his life, and he's you know he's in Bend opening up his new restaurant already. That didn't take long. So um, you know I don't I I, I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be true to the, their hearts and what they that they wanted to take it easier. But I don't necessarily in my mind think we have heard the you know, and I don't even know if it would be in Portland. But I don't think we've heard the heard the the final um, the final call from uh, Vitaly. No, you know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if if something came out. You know, and yeah. we uh, Cynthia and I went to dinner there uh, right after I got back from Italy, and just had just what a great experience to go back in and see it all happen all over again. And mm-hmm. the, you know, the hits just still hit and I walked in the kitchen and there's still, there's, there's, there's still laughter and joy there. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was great to, you know, I felt like, you know, speaking of like the, the sun, I, I felt like I would, I went home for the last time and, mm-hmm. you know, it was a, it was a really, really great experience. You're back from college. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. Back after college. For that, yeah, when yes. you started to form a life. Um, you know, it's like your your parents are selling the house you grew up in, you know, so you go back for a last visit. Right. Or, 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 yes, exactly. Or you're dreaming and you go back for a meal and then you wake up and you go, and you think, oh, that really wasn't happening, but that was nice. I mean, it, the dinner was phenomenal. It was, it was really great. And, there was, you know, there was obviously a bunch of us that had been, uh, been involved in the restaurant that had taken turns going back. Do you have any specific memories in terms of instances or just what you, something that you took away from Vitaly and or Kimberly that has, has stuck with you and just made you a better person, a better chef uh, in your well, life? I've I, I always respected uh, Vitaly for uh, his leadership ability and 
how he composed himself in the kitchen. And I feel like I, I catch myself, uh, and only I can do this because I, I was there, really uh, I conduct myself like he's right behind me. And uh, I always, you know, he had a lot of respect from all of our crews and uh, the way he the way he held himself and, and the ideas he put forward and, you know, the, the level of food, you know, always really outstanding and, and Kimberly and the, it's the pursuit of excellence and what their expectations were, you know, and I don't think it's a bad thing to have high expectations of what you want for uh, your hospitality. And, you know, Kimberly was the queen. Well, so. and look at what it did for Portland. I mean, you, you talked about all the people who've been through that kitchen and that restaurant and it elevated. I mean, you know, there's, it's, if you look at how Portland came to be known as a, as a, let's call it maybe a trendsetter or, or a city to watch when it came to food. I mean, mm -hmm. if you take Vitaly and Kimberly out of that equation, you've certainly got some great operators. Yes. Oh, sorry. I'm so, asking. Oh, sorry. I, thought you were, I thought you were gesturing to me. Sorry. Like to shut up. Uh, oh, no, no. <laughs> That's the, I'm asking Cynthia for my laptop just gave me a, a little, it's going to shut down on me. Oh, 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 you need a little power. She's, she's working from home. Cynthia's got the power. Hi, hi she, Cynthia. Chris says hello. She says hello. All right. Let's get that thing. She's the, in. she's the boss. So yeah, well, always good. Thank you. You're all set there now. So, um, but it's, if you take Vitaly and Kimberly out of the equation, you've certainly got some great operators and some great restaurants that go back to the nineties. You got Higgins mm -hmm. and, and Wildwood and a lot of those that set the tone for, this is how to do a restaurant, not necessarily only in Portland, but yes, in Portland. So, um, yeah, without them, I don't know. I don't know how, if Portland would have gotten to where it got, um, well, they they set the stage, right? Right, they set the table, and but others did too. I don't, you know, I don't mean to uh, to discount some of the work that uh, many others did, but yeah, they set the table and they were consistent, and then they even set a trend for moving into hotels when they did. And man, I thought they were genius. When they yeah. did all that, and then who knew that a pandemic was coming? So, well, I mean that that ended that quickly, unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, and it was uh, it was interesting. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to last week's interview with Vitaly and Kimberly, but it was really interesting to have them apply what you were just talking about to uh, do the very, very, very best they could do in a box with takeout right. food. And yeah. that was very important to them. Of course, they knew it wasn't what they really wanted to do, but the, given the well, circumstances, they had to do the best they could do. And you all do. And I, I think with, you know, that in mind, we, with the pandemic, that's what we were all forced to do. Some folks decided that's not what they wanted to do. And that's not what their food represented. And uh, I think with the, for us a dame with the style of food we do, uh, you know, our, our version of Italian American and pasta, you know, it, 
it isn't so bad takeout. Some other stuff no. doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do so well, but, uh, you know, you, uh, there's a humbling part of making a pretty plate and then, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you dump it in a box and mm-hmm. try to make it look its best and, and, and go forward. And, you know, we, and I know they did too. It's you, you try to make it look your best and with the best intentions, but you're also, you're fighting for survival at that point. Yeah. And you're in the boat with a lot of other folks too. And I think Absolutely. that had to help uh, a little bit. Nothing was easy, but it had to help knowing that you were not the only one in that boat and that to tap some of the uh, knowledge and some of the experiences, some of your friends in the business in Portland, I'm sure that helped all of you get through it. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're going to try. And then to see who's opening and who's closing and how they're well, doing uh, it. Oh man. You know, what a, <laughs> What a roller coaster, really. And businesses that have uh, opened and shut with uh, even more so lately with uh, employees that they get COVID, you know, or the, the whole the whole kitchen crew gets it or, you know, it's it's a tough spot to, to be in. But even back then when we didn't have vaccinations and we were unsure of what was going to happen, you know, and I think closures now can be a little shorter, but at that time, it's you're looking at at losing a week of revenue, and that's a lot for some people. Well, I, you don't have to go back long on this podcast to uh, hear. It was a really interesting um, thing that Andy Fortgang pointed out, and he said, "Well, back in 2018, we had some snowstorms, and we were horrified at the concept of going a day without revenue." How are we going to get through the month of payroll without the day? And then if you would have said, well, you're going to have to go months and maybe a year without what you recognized. I remember that. Yes, I listened to that one. Yeah. And I remember the the times that he was talking about. And those were, uh, you know, in 2016, or was it 2016? We had all of that snow. And that really was a a tough time when – you know, for a lot of restaurants that were that were out there, you know, we had what two weeks of just real hard snow. It, yeah, but you know, so looking it back in, on that, doesn't it look like nothing compared to what you've been dealing with for two years now? That was nothing. You know, because yeah. you now you're doing this, and you know, I watched our uh, beautiful little dining room that that Jane put together. Uh, you know, when and by the way, it is one of the most beautiful dining rooms that you'll find in Portland. It's the most romantic. Well, and we had it was just covered for you know a year, over a year before anybody got in. You know, we closed in March of 2020, and I think we didn't open until after July 4th of of, uh, 2021. You know, and Although, you know, all that, that work that got put into it and, you know, the, the PDR room that we had in the back became a, a new storage facility. That big table was, had all kinds of junk on it, you know, and uh, it was nice to see it able to transform itself back into what it was originally meant for. So I guess having gone through what everybody's gone through for the past two years, Anybody uh, who's sane can never be very comfortable in thinking, well, we're getting to the end of this because now we've learned no matter how 
how close do you think you're to the end? You never know what's coming down the pike. And this may be something that restaurants, the hospitality industry, is going to deal with on, on some level, not necessarily the right. same level, but on some level for the next few years. Do you feel like um, uh, the restaurant, uh, the patron community has completely understands what you've gone through, you know, because we hear stories of shitty, shitty customers, you know, giving people a hard time. Do you think they're, they're fully understanding what your challenges are, not only in terms of the pandemic, but what your front of the house, your revenue challenges are and, 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 and employee uh, retention problems might be? Well, uh, first, that's a great question. Um, all I can speak about are what I know from our experiences at Dame. And we had and have uh, had an incredible amount of support from uh, regulars uh, when all we were doing was takeout um, that kept us going. And uh, people that were ordering uh, wine and getting wine, wine and food delivery from you know, Jane's the person that's been the, the main delivery person for that. Um, so in our in our regard, we had a lot of people that I feel that were uh, understanding. You know, we have problem guests like everybody else and people that walk in without masks or get up from their table without masks or people that uh, leave snarky little comments and call us names on social media for requiring vaccination uh, proof to get inside to sit down. And I think it's just uh, kind of the name of the game for everybody that's involved. Uh, but for us, for the large part, I feel like we've had a lot of people understand and be understanding of what we're going through. And without their support, we, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today. And so how do you feel about the state of the restaurant industry in Portland specifically Let's Moving forward, I, uh, you know, we've got a lot of people, a lot of, we just talked about it, some great operators and great chefs who aren't around any longer, um, but you've got some great ones coming up and some others who survived and sustained and figured out how to get maybe a little stronger. Indeed. Well, I think if we're introspective and looking at our how we're running our restaurants and our cultures inside the, the restaurants as holes will continue to have a good restaurant environment. I see a lot of other younger chefs that are coming up that are uh, mindful of these same things um, uh, and how they are with their, their people. I, I can't help but really think of uh, somebody like Carlo from uh, Magna, uh, I have a lot of respect for him and a lot of respect for what they're doing there. And um, it's up to, you know, it's right now it's up to us. We have to, we have to be the ones that, that change the tide. And I think that by continuing to, to reach out and to help each other in the community uh, with this, you know, the, the rising tide lifts all ships. Right. And, but there's, there has to be a fundamental shift with a lot of places because the employees aren't going to put up with a lot of shit anymore because they don't have to. 
But, well, uh, yeah, but that, a lot of them have decided they don't want to, and therefore you have fewer employees available. Well, to you me. do, you know, and we definitely, uh, when we came for some transition in, in the, the kitchen team, it, it took a while to really find people. And, and I realized that, you know, that wasn't necessarily a bad thing because there's still, uh, still a lot of good people out there that want to continue cooking that are, that are looking for better places to work. And I kind of narrowed my, my search to the, the people that we wanted and the people that were going to fit in with this, this crew and this, this team that we have in our kitchen right now specifically is, you know, we've had some really great iterations in the past, but this crew right now is just swinging and they're doing so great. And I love to see the, and hear them talking with each other. And there's a lot of, uh, uh, I guess I just, it's just, there's a lot of joy going on and, and what we're doing and they feel good about what they're doing. And, you know, they're, it's a, you know, it's, it's a stressful environment. There's a lot of hard work and there's fire and flame and, and, you know, grease. And, and it's that little kitchen that we work in was 107 on Sunday night. So there's, you know, that aspect and these guys, you know, take it with a grain of salt and they smile and they, they work hard and, but you know, it, it, it comes with its challenges of, uh, just the, you know, performing at, at the level that they are. And, and, you know, they, uh, they impress the heck out of me with, you know, like the thing I hear the most is they're, you know, scrambling through the prep day and we've got a lot to do. And we know we have a, a big night on the books again and, and, you know, hearing, one of them say at random times and it's like they all will go through a period where they say, okay, I got five minutes. Who needs what, you know? And, and that to me is like, that's, you know, the culture that I've helped instill of teamwork, you know, and I've worked in places before and I've seen cooks do this where they get their own station set up and then it's, you know, kind of everybody else is on their own, you know, they're good. And these guys will correct each other. They give each other, uh, you know, uh, a critique that's not personal. It's not taken personally. It's taken as they uh, take a lot of pride in what they do. And, you know, that that makes me proud that this is something that, that I'm, this is the tree I'm growing. Well, has it occurred, you know, you're obviously, you can see, you are very focused on making Dame the best it can be and improving it. I mean, this is something that any great chef that you see uh, talking to them or in movies, you know, uh, Euro Dreams of Sushi, he got to 80 and he was still didn't want to go in right. unless he was improving every day. Right. So you're very focused on Dame. Has it dawned on you at all that now as the dust settles in 2022, you're one of the veterans out there now. You're the, you're the, you know, you're the Vitali. You, you know, no one can be, you can't, you're not going to fill his shoes or be him, but you know, the Corey Shrivers and the Scott Doliches and the, you're, you're standing now. You're here in Portland and you're one of the, you wow. know, you're one of the few that are older, over 50, I think. Um, has that dawned on you at all, or are you just you're you're focused on what you're doing at Dame? But I'm looking at a bigger picture, and I'm just, well, I'm just I, thinking about that. I do feel that uh, through the things that I've been through personally and professionally, 
And, you know, I've had some, some failures and I've had some successes and I've had some personal trauma, uh, that people look at me for what I'm doing now and for hopefully, uh, to be inspired that you can go through hardship and you can make it and that you can be positive. And I've learned a heck of a lot about myself in sobriety and I've learned a lot about who I am. Uh, you know, I really, uh, sobriety taught me that I like this version of myself a lot. And I hope that other people who maybe struggle with, uh, that are in our industry, that struggle with, uh, any kind of drug and alcohol abuse can look at, at me and, and see that, you know, I made it through my son's death, um, without taking a drink and, uh, maintain my sobriety. And that I also, uh, was in the midst of starting a restaurant really. And we were only open for, you know, eight months, nine months, something when COVID hit. You know, we, we, well, we'd barely been open for about a year, really. And the pivot that we had to take, and we just tried to keep a positive spin on what we were doing when, even when we were down and, you know, that, uh, you can, you can do it. And I hope that that's what, what people kind of take away from, from me. There's, I guess maybe it's more of a, a life thing instead of a kitchen thing, but also in continuing the, uh, the culture shift in, yeah, in well, restaurants specifically. Uh, it's hard not to have mad respect for what you what you've done, what you've accomplished, not only through your sobriety, but you. in maintaining it through your tribulations. Because there's this, there's nothing. Well, there's harder. a lot of you know, there's a lot of support there, and uh, you know, I have to thank Cynthia uh, and uh, you know Jane at work are incredible, both supporters and. And, uh, you know, it's like I have Tasha kicking my ass in the gym and Cynthia kicks my ass at home and Jane kicks my ass at work. And I've got these, you know, great, strong women surrounding me that, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to, to, to do better when I am held accountable. So I uh, would not be where I am without, without uh, that kind of uh, that level of uh, support, you know, and. You know, there, you know, and I have to be honest, there was, uh, we came home from the hospital after we had left, uh, Henry and I was wrecked. I was so, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know. And my, uh, parents had been to visit a few months prior and my parents are drinkers and they had left a bottle of booze and somehow that bottle of booze was out on a counter. I don't know how. And I saw it when we got home from the hospital and uh, I turned to Cynthia and I said, I, th I think I need to take a, a drink and settle down. And she said, you know, I'm going to say two things to you. And the first one is, what would he say to you right now? And the second one is, if you're going to drink, you're going to do it alone. I'm going upstairs. And I sat there and I stared at it and I put the cap back on the bottle and I put it away and... Ten minutes later, Gabriel Rucker called me when he found out, and it was, how are, how are you doing? And man, that kind of support really set the tone for what was going to happen later. And it's 
that kind of support's just amazing. You hate that word. I'm sorry. Is this the first time I've no. said it all the time? Hey, I'll tell you the truth. I, I don't hate that word. I just hate the overuse of that word. In the <laughs> context that you just used it, it works and it applies. So uh, if it was only used, there aren't a lot of amazing situations. So. And that, this may not have, that was amazing in a certain context. So um, no, the, uh, I, that was, thank you for sharing that. By the way, that's probably not easy for you to relive, and uh, I'm sure you relive it a lot. It's taken a while to be able to tell that story, but uh, I've I've told it. So, well, I appreciate uh, how you handled it, and that you shared it, and uh, I kind of feel honored that you feel comfortable enough to do it here. So, uh, and I didn't. There were no plans to get there. So, um, oh, I'm I'm okay sharing it. I've I've shared it before, and I've I've shared it with other folks so yeah well good so um i don't know where to go from there i just i feel like you know this podcast is about getting to know the people who serve us this delicious what you know these delicious things and do wonderful things in portland and um i want to go to i want to go to puglia that's where i want to go with this it's all right, let's let's dial up Austria right now, my friend Austria, and we can we we got that all set up. Um, Jane and I are have tentatively we're we're definitely going to go back, but this time we're going to hit a different region. Uh, as my wife is looking at me over her computer uh, to Calabria and Puglia and down south. And man, I was just looking at some pictures of the crystal clear blue water. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to send you as soon as we get off the picture I sent Austria this morning when we were in Sicily, and we're going back in September. Oh, you are! Oh, great! Yeah, we have a trip promotional message, um, but we have a trip to Western Sicily, and I, but I oh, ran yeah. across this gloomy, shitty day, uh, and it's okay. I like this weather actually in Oregon, but I ran across this beautiful picture of her, her in this orange sundress with bare feet on the rocks uh, outside of Agrigento presenting the ocean and the view of Africa in the distance. Uh, oh, man. A, everything's green and gorgeous. So, yeah, no, it's, it's great. And so how often, how many times have you been to Italy? And uh, it sounds like now you, you want to make sure you're going pretty often. Yeah, uh, that was the first trip that I have made. Um, oh, it I, was? That was the first yeah. ever? First time. Oh shit! So it was. That's why we were trying to. I think why we were trying to cram as much stuff in, in as possible. We uh, well, we talked about. You, it. If, if my personal experience means anything, I had been once when I was a kid. My mother was good enough to take me to uh, Rome and then Capri, um, but then uh, it wasn't until 2017 that I went back with Austria, and I've been back mm. six times since. Right. So once you go, you get it and oh, you man. figure out a way to get back. So. Well, and it's, you know, I feel the, the, the tug of the, the, that we have, that I have so much uh, family from there and the, you know, growing up with the food my mother made, you know, just made me want to really go back and explore more of the country. And it, you know, it's 1.5 size, the times of uh, the size of California. So it's, not undoable to 
get around as much as you uh, as you wanted. But uh, you know, I know uh, I have a lot of respect for uh, what George is doing over at Campana, and we're we're good buddies, and we've tentatively talked about trying to take a trip together. I know he's going to Piedmont and Milan, and one of my favorite chefs that I currently follow uh, is at a restaurant in Milan. But uh, also, uh, one of the cooks, uh, Tony from Dame, is uh, his whole family's from I think Puglia, in the south, and we've been kind of pushing to go down that way. I really want to uh, go to Naples as well, and then you know, just south of Naples, you have the Amalfi Coast. So mm-hmm. there's just so the much cool stuff, man. I can't wrong, wait. Nothing wrong with that Cinque Terre too on a on a whim. Oh no, this, uh, yes. I did that on a whim. That was pretty cool. Austria got three days. Where should I go? It was like the next right. day. Go out there. So. Um, yeah, no, it's it's absolutely wonderful. And not only do you have like a business purpose to go to expand your horizons a little bit uh, from a knowledge standpoint and just solidify it. Um, but yeah, it's a tax write off, too. Right. Every yeah. time you go. So there's nothing wrong with that. If you're going to travel, make it make it uh, give it a little set, another purpose. Yeah, and we found we found everybody there with COVID really to be uh, you know you have your what they call your green pass which is basically you got to carry your uh, your vax card with you and if you want to get in to see the Coliseum or to see the David uh, you know depending on where you are anything like that you have to have that uh, you know and we when you walk inside you know there was not a lot of issue with uh, mask wearing and stuff like that. Um, wasn't only really until we got to Freely, like way up north, that we it was much more conservative, and that's where uh, we saw the first like uh, demonstration of anti-masker, anti-vax type stuff. Uh, and mm-hmm. That was right as we right as we left, and then of course, like right after they had their massive anti anti mask rally, they had a massive COVID outbreak. So, but well, there you anyway. go. There, that's that's what happens. So, but they well, had the government. Like- yeah, the government there had mandated right before we got there that if you wanted to work at all, you had to be vaccinated. So, Right. Well, we're trying that here. We'll yeah, I happens. don't know, man. It's Wild West. Yeah, well, uh, I hope we can get it under control. And I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to come on. You've been uh, wonderful, wonderful to talk to. And, um, oh, great to talk to I you. Need well, to get in. I need to get in. I promise. I very rarely do this because I'm out here and it's hard to, but I promise right. we're going to be in there soon, uh, one way or well, the other. So. Send me a message and let me know. I'm oh, always I there. Need, so. Okay. I, I appreciate that. And so just, uh, just some housekeeping. Where do people, um, find Dame, you know, as far as reservations, Instagram, all the good stuff? Uh, Dame Restaurant, at Dame Restaurant for uh, Instagram, and we take reservations on Resi for Dame Restaurant, and then uh, you can find me at Patrick McKee on Instagram. I have recently uh, moved away from all of the Facebook type stuff, just out of a... Well, I kind of wanted to do that, but Instagram just became a real huge problem for me in that... On my feed, the only thing I can see are videos of people I barely know now. Stupid TikTok right. videos. <laughs> I don't get a still image. I've been writing Instagram. Can I get some still images back? Because I can't look at it anymore. So the, uh, what I did, well, I, mean, well, anyway, I won't go into it. But Instagram, I hope Instagram doesn't go away. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll teach you how to do some reels. You can 
do reels on your trips? It's not so much doing my uh, my content, putting it out there. It's just my enjoying Instagram and seeing friends and seeing you. I don't right. if you put a picture on there, I won't see it. So uh, mm-hmm. unless I go to you specifically, I have to think what's Patrick up to and go. So anyway, there's that. But um, I encourage anybody to go. And then of course it's Dame Restaurant. Is it Dame Rest DamePDX dot com or Dame Restaurant? Dame Restaurant dot um, Dame Restaurant dot com. Okay, good. And All then, right. Uh, yeah, Jane's still got the wine program uh, really up to up to par. Um, you know, there's a wine club that she has. You can still buy wine online. Uh, she's always out doing deliveries and stuff like that. So if you want to have great natural wines delivered, that's the place mm-hmm. to go. All right. Well, we have to hook up with her, too, uh, at some point down the road. So uh, that oh, would be our she's pleasure. She's great. So, Super Patrick, super chef. Thank you so much. Thank you I so really much. appreciate it. All right. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. Okay. Sounds good. Say, say hi to everyone. I sure will. In, in, including your AV specialist over there. <laughs> I sure will. She, she's, she's now in her office doing some work. So. Uh, okay, great. All right, All right, man. Thanks. All right. Thanks. See you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right